0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast
2: from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The Big Picture Questions and the Most Interesting Research in Science The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
0: So last episode, we briefly mentioned that we got an email from a booking agent wanting... Oh yeah, you got to open up your delicious craft beer. What are you drinking uh,
1: I am experimenting with a Blue Point Tropical Hoptical.
0: We had mentioned briefly that we got a, a an email from a from a booking agent who was interested in seeing if we were interested in, in in doing live box of identity shows. The
1: answer is yes.
0: The answer is yes.
1: I want you to finish your story desperately, but I also have to say the idea of doing it it makes me very happy, very excited, and also a little nauseated, like all the way through me. All the way
0: through. Yep, yeah, from yeah. my
1: toes to my this middle bit in my neck.
0: We spoke to them, and uh, we are in the process of finalizing a deal where perhaps our first show will be in Nashville, Tennessee.
1: I'm so excited. I've never been to Nashville. It's one of the coolest cities I can imagine, and I just think that it's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to see you and yeah, it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I've heard that it, it, Nashville has an amazing food scene, so I'm going to eat everything.
0: That's going to be our primary mission. <laughs> yep. We'll give you more details when it's all ironed out. Probably by the next episode, we'll have all the details for you, and it, it's a couple of months down the road, so... Anybody in the area was plenty of time to make plans to to come and we would love to see you. Oh my gosh. It's our first show.
1: I'm so excited. We need
0: your help. Slash we need your, nauseated. We, yeah, we're gonna throw up probably on the stage. So you'll wanna get your tickets right up front. Free we, poncho. Yeah, we <laughs> we call it we call it the vomit pit. Ew. I'll enjoy it. So we got an email from Jessica in Arkansas who said that in a recent episode we had mentioned you you talked about extreme ironing. Mm. And uh, she said, I thought I'd email you guys about this. Some years ago, my husband and my cousin made a tradition of exchanging gag gifts for Christmas. Uh, they've given each other a fantastic array of hilarious gifts, such as an inflatable fruit cake, a pillowcase with a topless Nicolas Cage emblazoned on it. Yes. I want that so bad. <laughs> Twilight movie action figures. And... Justin Bieber merch, Ooh! but the particular item that started it all was when his cousin gave him a wall calendar of, you guessed it, extreme ironing.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) We were delighted to flip through the calendar and see what crazy ways to iron clothing next month's picture held. I can only imagine the childlike glee that you had. (laughs) I'd never heard of it before, neither had my husband, but we loved it. I was so excited when this was one of your topics. So I really wanted to share this with you too and I highly suggest you look into the calendar. Thank you for your amazing podcast. My husband and I love you guys. Freak flags are flying, Jessica in Arkansas.
1: I am so happy right now. I want to see that calendar oh. so badly. Oh, you
0: will. I've that's what you're getting for Christmas.
1: Oh, good.
0: <laughs> happy holidays. We decided
1: no Christmas presents this year. Oh, that's right. I mean, I still expect to get things. Sure,
0: of course. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just don't, don't
1: talk about it beforehand. Yeah, right, I just gotcha. surprise me with it and then I'll go, Oh no, but I didn't get you anything. And, and then you're like you'd be like, I couldn't not get you something in light of my life, and I would be like, Oh. And then we'd look at my thing.
0: That seems like a reasonable holiday plan. Speaking of holidays, we are coming right up on Halloween. In my segment I'm calling Trilogy of Terror three true Halloween Horrors. Today? Yes. <gasps> Three true horror stories that happened on Halloween.
1: Okay, I'm 100% in for this.
0: Getting most of my uh, information from Listverse, but also the uh, Telegraph and Wikipedia. On Halloween night.
1: I'm so excited. (laughs)
0: 1957.
1: Okay, I'm there.
0: Peter and Betty Fabiano were just getting ready for bed they heard the doorbell ring. It was after 11 o'clock at night. So it was, you know, it was a bit late for trick-or-treaters, they thought. Sure. Peter's like, all right, so... He reluctantly pulls his pants back on and trudges down the stairs. That's
1: how I feel every single time I have to put on pants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. He grabs the candy bowl. There's a few stray, I don't know, like candy corn or whatever it was they gave away back in the 50s in the bottom of the bowl. He's thinking, Ah, it's Halloween. What was one more kid to deal with? So he opens the door and he holds the bowl out, flips the light on. And he gets the shock of his life. On the doorstep stood a grown woman in blue jeans and a cheap Halloween mask pointing the bottom of a paper bag directly at his chest. Now, Betty, his wife, is upstairs. She hears loud popping and then the screech of tires as a car sped off from in front of her house. So she ran downstairs and she found her husband on the floor in front of the open door gasping for breath. Blood pouring from a gaping wound in his chest. <gasps> now, she shot him? This person in the front door, dressed in a Halloween mask, had a gun in that bag and was pointing it right at his chest. And when he opened the door, she just fired. Por qué? So she calls the hospital. Unfortunately, by the time they get him there, he's dead. He's mm. DOA. Now, police were baffled by this because right. this was just a suburban couple minding their own business. They, they weren't involved in any kind of shady dealings or anything like that that they, that they knew about. They were mystified.
1: Was he? Uh, did it have something to do with it where he was putting his candy?
0: Well, you're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Inevitably. Peter worked as a hairdresser in the San Fernando Valley. Okay. So this is out in the L.A. area. Now, he had no enemies. He was well-liked. And they couldn't think of anybody that would want to, want to kill him. So the investigators start digging deep into this and trying to, uh, to figure it out. And the deeper they, they dug, the more twisted and bizarre it all seemed. A couple of weeks after the killing, police nabbed somebody named Joan Rabel. She was a 40-year-old 40, a 40 who had once been employed at one of Peter's salons. Mm-hmm. Was she married? We're getting to this.
1: I know what happened. I figured it out. I
0: don't, I, don't, I don't think you have. So they asked her where she was that night. And for some reason, she was lying about being out the night of, uh, of Peter's death. Okay. So the cops let Joan Rabel go for lack of evidence. Then a month later, police received an anonymous tip from a caller directing police to a rented locker inside of a, a, a department store.
1: Seems like the weirdest business model ever. Here, put your random items in our store for long periods of time.
0: Inside, they found a 38 revolver, which ballistics uh, did match up to the bullet that they found in Peter's chest. Okay. He was shot with a 38 point blank, and the bullet was still in his heart. Yuck. How is that possible? I
1: don't know. I don't understand guns. I like to shoot them, but I don't understand how they work. Is that wrong?
0: Now, you would think, well, the locker was probably rented by Joan Rabel, right? Meh. No. It was read to a woman named Goldine Pizer, who worked at a local children's hospital and had no connection with the Fabiano family. So all the clues were there, but they just they didn't add up mm-hmm. until Pizer began to confess. Goldine Pizer and Joan Rabel, it turned out, were lovers. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Rabel had told Goldine about a man named Peter Fabiano, whom she later called evil and vile. Uh, She had worked with Peter, and she began regaling Pizer with just disgusting, sickening stories about Fabiano and the way he abused his wife. She had never met him, and before long, really began to hate and detest this man. She wanted to kill him because of these stories, so she agreed to help Rabel do just that. With Rabel's money... Pizer bought a gun. Now, according to uh, information received later, Pizer was shaking so hard that uh, she had to steady the gun with both both hands as she put a bullet in Peter's chest when he opened the door to give her a piece of candy. Now, why did Rabel see this idea of hate in Pizer's head? It came down to this. Rabel was sleeping with Peter's wife, and she just wanted to uh, get him out of the way. So, I knew it! So... <laughs> So these two were lovers.
1: No, I th- I actually thought it was the other way. Yeah. I thought that Rabel's husband was sleeping with Peter. Right.
0: But, oh, yeah. either way. Rabel was sleeping with Peter's wife, and she convinced right. her lover to kill. So, yeah. So you assumed it was the guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, statistically, you would have been correct.
1: I mean, doing the diddling, not the murdering. Yeah. I assumed that a female had done the murdering.
0: Well, the female did the murdering and the diddling. Right. They were diddly murderers.
1: (sighs) Pick one or the other. Honestly, how do you have time for that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't diddle or murder. And That was a joke.
0: Yeah, it was a joke. Both agreed to a plea deal for second-degree murder and life in prison. That was back in 1957. Okay. On Halloween night. Ma, ma, ma.
1: 1957 was weird.
0: Well, 2014 wasn't much better. Right around Halloween, people in a neighborhood saw some Halloween decorations out, out in the street.
1: They weren't <laughs> Halloween decorations, were they?
0: They were not Halloween decorations, although that's what everybody thought. Uh, they thought it was some kind of a macabre Halloween prank. Everybody in the neighborhood thought it was. Some guy in an apartment building hauled a decap what appeared to be a decapitated body down the stairs and threw it out in the middle of the street and then took its head and kicked it across the street to the other curb. And it stayed there for quite a while because everybody thought it was fake. They said it it looked fake. It didn't look real. But the truth came to light when um, a neighbor stopped to move the dummy corpse out of the road because cars were having to drive around it. Right. Discovered it was a real body.
1: That's going to be upsetting when you're like, I'm kicking a papier-mâché head. And then it's like, and you're all like, why isn't this papier-mâché head coming off of my foot? Why is this this head attached to my foot? What is this head? Oh, my God, it's a head. It's a head.
0: It didn't take long for police to deduce that the body belonged to a woman named Patricia Ward. She was a 66-year-old professor at New York's Farmingdale State College. Now, when they received the call... They were Police were already in the area because they had reported to the scene of a train accident in the area. What had happened was uh, some guy had wandered down to the train tracks and committed suicide by jumping in front of an oncoming train. That yeah. guy was 35-year-old Derek Ward. He was the son of Patricia Ward, the headless corpse in the street.
1: Oh, my goodness. He
0: had a history of mental illness. hmm and he, uh, it appeared as though he was on the road to recovery, but something happened and, and he snapped on Halloween. Uh, he beheaded his mother, dragged the body out of the apartment down the stairs and through the front door of the building. And uh, after leaving the body in the street, he calmly walked away and leaped in front of an oncoming train. Nobody knows why.
1: Um, that's awful for sure. That's, I don't like that.
0: I think the most horrifying thing about it, besides the obvious things, is that nobody really knows what happened. Right. They don't know, you know. Obviously, the guy was mentally ill. But what led to it, we'll we'll never know. And our third true-life horror story from Halloween happened on a bitterly cold Halloween night in 2012. Pastor of a Michigan church, John White, when he wasn't delivering sermons to his congregation... He dreamed of necrophilia. Oh. Hmm. Okay. So, on that very cold Halloween night, he took a mallet and a zip tie. Nope. And went to the home of Rebecca Gay. Now, Rebecca was the daughter, 24-year-old daughter, of his fiancée. And she lived alone with her three-year-old son. Now, because he had babysat the child on numerous occasions and was well known to this woman. Mm -hmm. She happily let him in. Not a problem. Sure, Sure. no problem. I just
1: I can't think of any nice thing that I've ever planned to do um, where I had to grab a mallet and some zip ties.
0: No, mallets and zip ties are usually accompanied by tarps. Mm. That's the trifecta for evil.
1: All right, tell me about your thing. Go ahead. I'm preparing myself. I'm stealing myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, she let him in And when she turned her back, he bludgeoned her with the mallet, knocked her unconscious. And then he took the zip tie and he put it around her neck and pulled it tight and then dragged her out into the woods behind the trailer that she lived in Mm -hmm. and left her there and then went back in while she died.
1: Oh, that's so cowardly and gross.
0: When he returned to the trailer, he just calmly uh, took her toddler son who was still there while he was waiting for the body to grow cold. He calmly dressed her son in his Halloween costume and then drove him over to his father's house and then came back and did whatever he did. The body was not found for 20 hours. And while the police were out searching, he was up in his pulpit begging the congregation to pray for her.
1: Oh, that's so upsetting and gross.
0: So White was convicted and he later died by suicide in prison. But that's not the real horror story. The real horror story is... Why the hell was he out on the streets anyway? Because back in 1981, he was 22 years old. He tried to kill his neighbor, who was a 17-year-old named Teresa Etherton. He had invited her into his basement. And while she was looking at his at this racetrack that he built, he stabbed her. Then he, he, he kissed her and he smiled while he kept stabbing her. She survived the attack. 15 stab wounds. White Mm-mm. spent two years in prison for that. No, no. In 94, he was at it again, this time, killing the woman he was having an affair with. And he left her body naked in the woods, but without evidence that he had intended to kill her. Prosecutors were only able to convict him on manslaughter charges. So by 2007, he was a free man, free to live his life, out on his own, to start his own church and kill people.
1: That is gross and so upsetting. I I don't understand how so often you hear of these stories where repeated issues have come up in in lives where you can see the pattern. There's a pattern. What are you doing? Why?
0: So you watch these movies at Halloween, specifically the movie Halloween, where, you know, horrible things happen on that night, Mm -hmm. the devil's night, whatever you want to call it. And you think, well, those are entertaining stories that I watch to just, uh, you know, feel scared. Some of this shit really happens. Those three stories are real. So lock your windows and your doors Halloween night. Because you never know when somebody may show up with a mallet and some zip ties. Was that overly dramatic? You have got
1: a little and War really, of the Worlds at the end okay, there. Okay, sorry.
0: It was weird. I'm embarrassed by all of this. I think you should be. And now, That Thing in the Middle. This episode of The Thing in the Middle is just kind of a hodgepodge of bizarre and mind-bending facts. All of them true. Number five. Uppercase and lowercase letters are called that... Because of the storage cabinets that held pieces used for letterpress printing, the smaller, more frequently used letters were kept closer to hand, or in the lower case, while the less frequently capital letters were kept in the upper case.
1: Are you kidding me? Isn't
0: that great? I (laughs) had
1: no... I had no idea that that was the case.
0: No, it's the (laughs) uppercase.
1: Number four, brains and money aren't the only things you'll need to graduate from MIT. Since the 1940s, the prestigious school has required that all students pass a swim test.
0: (laughs) Really? Yep. Before you build a robot, you need to do the breaststroke. Number three, the word hello. We say hello, we wave hello. That's used quite often in English these days. But the use of the word is relatively new. It was not used until the late 1820s and only became popular after the Civil War.
1: Why do declare? Here's something that blows my mind. Number two, three quarters of 70-year-old men are still able to impregnate a woman.
0: 75%?
1: Three quarters, yes. Yeah.
0: Wow. Really? And number one, since Halloween is coming up in a couple of weeks, well, actually a week, Have you ever wondered why the American candy bar, Three Musketeers, was named after an 1844 French novel?
1: Because the parts of the candy bar all work so well together? Like a team? It,
0: It wasn't named after an 1844 French novel. It was because the Three Musketeers bars were originally... Three small bars in one package. The bars were chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. But due to wartime shortages in the 1940s, they became one singular chocolate-only affair
2: in 1945.
1: I'm so glad. Who wants to eat a strawberry? Strawberry chocolate. chocolate. Wow.
2: Gross. The Box of Oddities with Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
1: Listen to this. Crusted grilling cheese with sumac roasted veggies.
2: Shut up. That's what we're
1: getting this week. Seven grain chilies rellanos with avocado salsa and zesty crema. I can't even say it because it's my smile is too large and the words come out of it stupid. And you're drooling. <laughs> I'm not drooling.
0: HelloFresh is what we're talking about. And we love HelloFresh. Each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. You get the best Of the best If you're like me You can't even Really pick out A good avocado At the store You're
1: getting better
0: I'm trying
1: That's a great point Because one of the things That you can uh, Look forward to With HelloFresh Is you can Start to feel confident When cooking HelloFresh With simple recipes That are outlined On pictured Step-by-step Instruction cards It makes it So you're cooking These incredible meals Even though maybe You're not the best Normally outside of the Hello Fresh cooking world.
0: If you have somebody over for dinner, it's a great way to impress them.
1: Oh my gosh, it's true. If I were dating, I would date Cook Hello Fresh meals.
0: Cooking becomes something you actually want to do. I would do. ask him
1: to leave because I want to eat all of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, it really does. It becomes something you want to do as opposed to being a, a chore. It's fun to cook with Hello Fresh. They uh, they send you all these fresh ingredients and the instructions on how to create delicious meals right in your kitchen.
1: In pre-measured, handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. There's no waste. It's amazing.
0: And right now for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first 3 boxes. Visit hellofresh.com/box60 Enter the promo code BOX60.
1: Get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 for serving and free shipping for a total of $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash BOX60 and enter promo code BOX60. You're getting that amazing, delicious food and supporting the box of oddities.
0: We love HelloFresh. You will too. Give it a try.
1: So for small business owners and people who make their own amazing things the important time to look professional to look polished and prepared is right now those moments happen all the time and having a business card that shows that you are a professional and you are for real is so important
0: we were at a convention not long ago and we had just got our business cards done from VistaPrint, and we're proudly handing them out and there's one guy who who didn't really think ahead and didn't have business cards He was writing down his information. Well, he gave us his information. He had written it on a Band-Aid wrapper. And that just seems really unprofessional.
1: I know a guy who takes other people's business cards and then just writes his own information on those business cards and hands them back out. Come
0: on. No one's going to take you seriously.
1: Vistaprint uses only carefully selected inks and responsibly sourced paper stocks. That's important to me.
0: And when you're in business, especially when you're a small business owner, you look for opportunities. And your next big opportunity is coming right now. So pay attention. All it takes to feel like you're ready to own the now is 10 bucks, A low price to have the confidence that you're always ready to make an impression or get seen in a new way. A custom business card from Vistaprint.
1: Vistaprint wants you to do something great for your business right now, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Use code BOX1 at Vistaprint.com.
0: That's BOX1 at Vistaprint.com. BOX1 at Vistaprint.com. I just reordered. I got 500 more coming. It seriously took me five minutes, maybe, on the website to order these cards so, why not do it yourself? Because Vistaprint does want you to do something great for your business right now.
1: Get 500 high quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Use box1 at Vistaprint.com.
0: Use code box1 at Vistaprint.com.
1: That's code box1 at Vistaprint.com. You're getting 500 amazing business cards and supporting the show.
0: And both of those things we approve of.
2: Like finding a box of human remains in your attic, but without all those nagging detectives and reporters at your door. This is The Box of Oddities. All right, so it's your turn.
0: What you got for me?
1: Wow. Yeah. You got very bassy there. I'm a bassy kind of guy. I love your hat.
0: Thank you. I'm wearing my top hat. I got a new top hat.
1: Is it a top hat?
0: Well, I think... Technically, that's what it's called, but it may be more of like an opera hat. Uh, it's not a real tall top hat. It's a shorter top hat.
1: I don't know what the specifications are for various hats.
0: I'm going to look into it.
1: I need more information about headwear.
0: I think, I think though, that the top hat or whatever this hat is goes very well with my mutton chop sideburns. I agree. Anyway, it's your turn. What you got for me?
1: Let me tell you about Levi Hutchins. He was an American inventor. In 1787, he created the earliest known personal alarm clock um, in the Americas. Built into a simple pine box, a gear mechanism set off a bell. The only problem was it could only go off at 4 (laughs) a.m.
0: He hadn't really worked that one out. Nope. No, 4 4 a.m.
1: Every day, and you couldn't, that was it. You couldn't turn it off. It was every day, 4 o'clock. That's it. You're getting up.
0: That doesn't sound like a very good business model.
1: Yeah, and he didn't really see it as being, because he hadn't worked out the only at 4 a.m. part of it, Mm. he didn't see it as being something that he could sell, so he just kind of used it for his own needs I see. and moved on with his life. He did a lot of neat things, by the way. We'll probably talk about him again at some point. But um, today I wanted to talk about how we got up before Regular alarm clocks. Like, I use my iPhone alarm every day. How did we get up before we had regular alarms? Well, there are a lot of ways.
0: Children, usually, though, I would think, right?
1: Uh, usually, yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: Or farm animals, you know, roosters. Coming up
1: into your bedroom. Yeah. Right, coming up, Excuse jumping me, up in bed. Hey, I'd really hey. like to see you arise for the day. It's time for the milking. <laughs> roosters are so polite.
0: They are in your head, aren't they?
1: (laughs) They really are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're so fancy. Mm -hmm. I just see them as being really fancy. I'm I'm digging myself a a cat's weird hole, aren't I?
0: you are. It's a cat weird hole. Come out of your weird hole, cat. I'm helping you here. I'm reaching down and pulling you out.
1: Back in the day, way back in the day, early man drank tons and tons of water if he had to get up before the sun. Uh, Indigenous American warriors used their bladders to rise in the morning. (laughs) According to Stanley Vestal's 1984 book Warpath, the true story of the fighting Sioux told in a biography of Chief White Bull, Indian warriors could determine in advance their hour of rising by regulating the amount of water they drank before going to bed.
0: No shit.
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: I never heard this. (laughs) That's fascinating. That's why there are no old warriors, because they would have to get up three or four times before it was actually time to rise. It's hard to be a warrior when you got prostate issues.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I just, that blows my mind because it shows just how much more connected people have been throughout time than we are with our current bodies. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are able to do this kind of thing now and are that connected with their bodies. But like me, I'm all like, why don't I feel well? Something's wrong with me. And it's like, oh, I've started my period again, like you do every month, you (laughs) dumb, dumb. (laughs) Jesus. Pick up on the clues. (laughs) Anyway, um, so about the year 1555, Taki al-Din Muhammad invented a few different types of mechanical alarm clocks. That's 1555, by the way.
0: Wow. In case you missed that. I did miss that.
1: Including the one that would sound at any desired time. Taki al-Din's clock inventions included the first mechanical alarm clock, first spring-powered astronomical clock first watch measured in minutes and first clocks measured in minutes and seconds. And in this clock, holes around the dial allowed manual placement of a peg to set the position of a specified alarm time. That's ingenious. It really is. And in the first article that I read, it said that this is how the clock worked. You put the peg in the hour that you wanted to get up and then it would go off. And I'm like in my brain, I'm going, that's 100% not how it works. Mm. I still don't understand how it works. And uh, heads up, I still don't understand how it works.
0: <laughs> it's okay. You don't need to know everything.
1: Thank you. The clepsydra, 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 Klepsidra.
0: Sounds S- kind of like a venereal disease.
1: <laughs> I'll spell it for you. All right. C-L-E-P-S-Y-D-R-A. It's a water clock, and it literally means water thief, which is why the cleps is in the beginning, uh, right? Uh, uh, um, so it was used by early civilizations for thousands of years. They weren't so much clocks as they were timers, so they worked very much in the same way as a common hourglass would work, but with water. So a clepsydra uh, is any timepiece in which time is measured by the regulated flow of liquid into or out from a vessel where the amount is then measured. Water clocks are one of the oldest time measuring instruments.
0: Well that makes sense. I think if I was living back in the day before the industrial revolution and I was trying to think of a way to measure time, it would be it would be with the use of flowing water. It just it seems like a, a logical assumption.
1: I would agree with that. Right. I like sand better, though. Sand, sand well, s- yeah. Sand doesn't evaporate.
0: That's that's very true. But some of the early uh, Roman machines, I, I, I guess that's what you would call it. They had like almost like uh, like somebody invented an animated rooster that uh, would flap its wings and stuff. And in in what made the mechanism work was a system of of hydraulics, and the water would flow through it, and it would make, you know, so that kind of makes sense.
1: Right, and flowing water as a means of making something move, a.k.a. making energy, is ingenious and clean, Mm. and why don't we use it more?
0: Well, because we can't make as much money on it.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, it's something that we should look into more often.
0: I would agree. No, I think it's important, I do. I'm, I'm just being snarky. Because I I have my hat on, it makes me feel snarky. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's my snarky hat. (laughs) So
1: good. (laughs) (laughs) A knocker up.
0: I know what this is. Yeah? I know what this is. This was back in like Victorian times where you would hire people to come around to your house at the designated hour you wanted to get up and they would uh, shoot peas out of a pea shooter at your window or throw rocks at the window ...to wake you up. Is that correct?
1: It's close, Close? yes. Um, And in some cases, spot on, for sure. A knocker-up, or in some cases, a knocker-upper, was a profession uh, mainly existed in Britain and Ireland. And it started during and lasted well into the Industrial Revolution, when alarm clocks weren't cheap or reliable... And well into the 1950s, a knocker-up's job was to rouse sleeping people, bottom line. And different knocker-ups had different ways of doing things. Usually, the knocker-ups used a baton or a short, heavy stick to knock on clients' doors or a long light stick, often made of bamboo, to reach higher-up windows Uh of upper floors. So
0: knocker-up. Knocker-up. Well,
1: it it was mostly to wake you up, but... In that case, it would be means,
0: means something entirely different these days. True.
1: Yes. That's yeah. In return the knocker up would be paid a few pence a week the knocker up would not leave a client's window until they were sure that the client had been awoken and there is a photo of one woman who was a knocker up uh, who used a pea <laughs> shooter which that's um, what I saw. Yeah, is I guess that's what... I guess wasn't common Ding. It's a beautiful photo and I love it
0: I, I in, in this lasted through the 50s mm-hmm. the night the 19 into the 50s into the 1950s Correct I think it's time we bring back the knocker-up vocation, but bring it into today's age and make it more novel. Instead of tapping on the window with a um, like a cane pole or something, we do something like we come into their bedroom and start a lawnmower. Just, you know, fire that up.
1: That's very Andy Kaufman-esque.
0: No, I mean, that would certainly wake them up. and For sure. And it would be entertaining for yeah. other family members.
1: I would hate that. <laughs> I'm just going to. yeah. I'm one of those gentle waker uppers. Sure. I need sure. to Like to a string trimmer, in.
0: maybe a string trimmer instead of a lawnmower. <laughs>
1: it's so funny because I had never heard this, the term string trimmer until you and I were together. <laughs> and so I still have to think about what weed, you mean. Weed whacker. Yeah. Okay. I have to think about what you mean when you say that. And I'm like, string trimmer. I automatically, for some reason, when you say string trimmer, I think of eyebrow threading. <laughs> and I so in my head, I'm like, what the hell does that? Why? Someone's gonna come in and like pluck your eyebrow. I don't get oh yeah, yeah.
0: although having somebody come in and thread your eyebrows while you're asleep would be a novel way to wake somebody up too.
1: For sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, I suppose that's valid. Plus damn brows. Girl, what? girl. Okay, so that's what I have.
0: That's amazing. For you. I've never really had a problem with waking up at a designated time. I don't think I've ever overslept. I, I'm sure I have, but I can't recall any right. time.
1: You've used that as an excuse for not being to things on time, but that's not actually why not, you weren't on time. No, I just didn't <laughs> want to go,
0: usually. Yeah, I'm it's sorry just, I'm
1: late. I didn't want to be here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Although I've gotten to a point now where that's all I say. I, you know, I, I'm invited to something I don't want to go to. And I would say, geez, you know, I'd, I really wish I could be there, but I I just, I, I really don't want to be. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and I. And I think and that's I,
1: good. That's yeah. part of personal growth. Sure it is. Start saying no to things.
0: Start say, and, then, and then get to a point where you don't make excuses right. why you're saying no. You just say, no, I can't. And then beyond that. You tell them the real reason. No, I can't because I don't want to. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's. I'd
1: rather not.
0: I'd rather not. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: And that's something that I've had to get much better at over the years. I'm always afraid of hurting people's feelings. Sure. And so a lot of times I'll come up with reasons why I can't. But sometimes it's just plain I don't want to. You see,
0: the thing is, I spent my whole life not wanting to hurt people's feelings. Mm. And so I would go to everything. Yeah. And my life was miserable. <laughs> so I started small, just saying no occasionally. Right and then work my way up to never leaving the house. Thank you very much. <laughs> very proud of that. But no, I, you know, I I can go to bed at night and and I'm wondering if there are other people listening that that do this too. I visualize in my head what time I want to wake up. I always wake up before that time. In fact, oftentimes I'll say, "Okay, I'm going to get up at uh 6:15." And I will wake up at 6.14. Yeah. And I will turn the alarm off before it goes off.
1: You do have an amazing internal clock. It's weird. I found that I have a better internal clock than I ever thought that I did. Like if I'm doing something, uh, steeping coffee in the French press, for example, and I'll set the timer uh, via Alexa, I'll say like, Alexa, Uh, So the time for for 10 minutes and then inevitably I'll ask her how much time is left because by that time, you know, I'm desperate for coffee. Please let me have some inside of me. I need it. And so I'll say, Alexa, how much time is left? And she'll go, you have less than 10 seconds left on your 10 minute timer. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's time. It's time turn off my timer. Ah!"
0: You uh, you sounded a lot like Alexa. Oh <laughs> just just now, remember that time that we convinced people that you were actually the voice of the Mcdonald's drive through <laughs> go ahead do your mcdonald's drive through impersonation I,
1: I can't i I haven't heard it in so long i I hello. Need... oh okay, okay, okay,
0: so yeah, you're in your car and you pull up to the automated uh drive through at mcdonald's and 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 you, you you roll your window down and
1: hello, please pull up to the next speaker.
0: That's frighteningly authentic, Thank I you. think. That's Thank beautiful. you.
1: I really I appreciate how little it takes to impress you. And <laughs> I love it about you. It makes me feel good about myself. Twenty-four <laughs> seven.
0: The box of oddities bakes on the internet and then kind of swells up a little bit and and gravy oozes out of the sides. Ew. and then it comes out of the oven and we serve it to your father. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the Box of Oddities, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays, and we will see you on Thursday.
1: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
0: (laughs) Fly it proudly, you beautiful freaks.
2: And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, we wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The Box of Oddities.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.
1: So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's <laughs> like shelter, food, and water, and I think comedy's in there somewhere. Comedy
0: should be really the number one need, in my opinion. I can go without food and water as long as I can laugh. Comedy is so important.
1: And that's one of the reasons why I really like the
0: history of stand-up. We really love the history of stand-up. It's a great podcast available on CastBox or Apple Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold or or given away in this case.
1: Comedian Wayne Fetterman teaches Andrew Stephen and us about the history of stand-up in a casual conversational history class. And there are clips from some of the most amazing comedians you can possibly imagine.
0: And Wayne Fetterman's hilarious. He's been in movies like Step Brothers and he's been in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Comedy Bang Bang. 40 year old virgin. Yeah, and he was the head writer for Jimmy Fallon. He's also a professor of comedy at USC, so he knows his things.
1: Check it out. It's the history of stand up.
0: Box of Oddities gives it a big thumbs up. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game
1: show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world. Plus,